BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking about recession-proofing your finances. Joel, I know how much you love diapers. <laughs> Wear them all the time. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to mention a, uh, a personal fail, which is my, my wife and I, Kate and I, we thought that 2019 would be the year that we kicked diapers to the curb. Our third daughter uh, just turned two and we thought, you know what? It might be time. We think she's, she's pretty smart. She's pretty sharp. She's pretty with it. Get her, and get her on that potty train bandwagon. Yes, exactly. Well, she's got two older sisters and we thought with her seeing it all the time, she'd be ready for it. And... I was really excited about being able to cut diapers from the budget because we spend around 50 bucks every month on diapers. And Kate and I talked about it and we decided that if we were going to cut diapers, that we would keep that amount of money in the budget and then just be able to eat a little bit nicer. So we're not actually increasing our food budget, uh, but we would be able to get, say, nicer cheeses, nicer meats, the charcuterie. Get get to eat the (laughs) diaper money. Yeah, exactly. But, man, we totally failed. We, we came back at the beginning of the year, beginning of January, and we're hoping that, yeah, we'd be, be able to kick it off. But hey, that's not on you. That's on Dottie. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> that's her fault, and I will talk to her about it. She needs to up her game. <laughs> In all fairness, though, she's only 24 months. And with the other girls, we waited until, I think, like 26 and maybe 28 months. But we just, we just thought we were ready. We thought she could handle it. And really, we were most excited about being able to cut diapers from the budget. So... Who knows, man? It might be a few more months now that we're going to rock those diapers and 
no nice cheeses. Any parents out there listening, they totally know or remember the uh, the potty training stage. And it's different for every kid. Like, I swear, yeah. our first daughter, Selma, like overnight, she had like one accident maybe, yeah, but no awesome. overnight accidents. <laughs> it was amazing. And then our second daughter still did pretty well, but it was completely different. It took a lot longer than we thought. And we had to keep wearing the pull-ups at night. And so it's different for every kid. And some kids don't get it till later. And some kids... Well, boys as well. Like yeah. with, with boys, it takes much longer. So typically, I mean, a lot of times I think boys are around three years old before they even consider potty training. But yeah, like you said, it's different for all kids. So you were just hoping that daddy was like a bathroom Mozart, like a prodigy. Basically, yeah. dude. Yeah. We we were even ambitious enough to say, do we even need to pull out the little toy potty? You know, like the little kid one? Because she would climb up onto the uh, the stool and, and hop up on the on the toilet like the big girls do. Nope. Yeah. Huge fail. <laughs> all right. Speaking of goals, so we're you're well into January at this point, but I think it's okay for people still to set a goal to kind of improve in a way, in one way or another. And I think sometimes maybe at this point, maybe you're two and a half weeks in and you've already failed at a goal or two like Dottie did, right? Dottie completely failed. Yeah. I just fell flat on her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you haven't met your goal. I think like we talked about in the creating a money roadmap, sometimes it's those little things. It's it's not necessarily the end goal that is the good goal to have. It's, it's the little increase things that you can do along the way they're going to help you achieve that bigger goal and one thing i wanted to mention that's been kind of helpful to me recently is when i really need to buckle down and get some work done is putting my phone in airplane mode and just like i'd mentioned a long time ago that it's been helpful for me to put my phone in grayscale mode because i just want to look at it less it just makes me less interested in looking at Instagram or Facebook in the same way, uh, get, if I really want to yeah. buckle down at work and makes it look like a Kindle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Did I, did I tell you that I got my Kindle by the oh, way? Oh, you did? Nice. Yeah, yeah. What's up? All right. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think for anybody that really wants to buckle down, get something done and they feel like their phone's constantly distracting them, you know, set an hour or two hours or even just 30 minutes in a row of having your phone on airplane mode, you'll just kind of forget that it's even there and you'll you'll actually get more done because we don't realize how, how often we're interrupted by our phone, by a text yeah. message, by a notification, by an alert. And so just kind of putting it completely out of sight, out of mind is like a great way to kind of boost your productivity. Yeah, man, I totally agree. You know, in uh, past few months, I've actually had my phone on when it's on silent mode that the, it doesn't vibrate. So it's basically completely silent, which the reason I did that was because I would have my phone sitting on my desk and, you know, you get all the spam calls and you can recognize them because they're area codes that you don't recognize. But I still would reach over towards it to silence it. I'd hit the little button to make it stop vibrating because I didn't want to burn my battery. But just the fact of reaching towards my phone, I would kind of pick it up and then hop over to an app and it would yeah, it was another distraction. It's a total attention breaker, right? Yeah. yeah, but that being said, it doesn't break my attention nearly as much if it just kind of pops up if I see the notification because I won't reach for it. For, for me, it was the physical act of reaching towards mm. it is what threw me off. But I can kind of dart my eyes over and see that it's just an unknown caller or a number I don't recognize and keep moving on with life. But yeah, I'm with you, man. If I need to really buckle down, flipping it over to airplane mode is, is truly the only way just to, to get quality, deep work done, which is which is key. Yeah. And sometimes, honestly, doing something like that actually means you might have fewer hours of work that you actually have to put in. Because if you're more productive while you're working with your phone in airplane mode, you might not have to work as many hours in the day because the hours you're working are so much more productive. Yeah. You don't have that restart time. They say that anytime you have a break in your concentration like that, sometimes it can take up to 15 minutes to kind of get your train of thought back completely where you're back in the groove. And man, I completely agree with that. Sweet, Matt. So let's tell everybody the beer we're drinking in today's episode. Today's beer uh, was sent to us by a listener 
Philippe from Chico, California, which is where Sierra Nevada is based. Yes. So I don't think he works there, but he lives there. And I, I love that he sent us this beer in particular, Matt. He's a homer. <laughs> yeah. This beer is called Resilience Butte County Proud IPA. And if, if you're not aware, there have been uh, a lot of wildfires in California. And a lot of the employees of the brewery Sierra Nevada, which is one of the biggest craft breweries in the nation, right? were affected, were displaced by the wildfires you know, surrounding their brewery and surrounding where their employees live. And so Sierra Nevada decided to brew this beer, Resilience, uh, and donate all the proceeds to a fund that helps those that were impacted by by the fire. And the really cool thing, Matt, my favorite part about this story uh, of this beer is that other breweries, hundreds of other breweries around the country have banded around Sierra Nevada to brew this same recipe at their breweries and they're selling it and doing the same exact thing. Yeah. So that's totally awesome. I went to a brewery recently and they had their own version of resilience. It's the same exact recipe because Sierra Nevada put the recipe out there for everyone to use. And they say, so they're calling it resilience and, and they're saying that all the proceeds are going to, to the same campfire fund, helping you know, people that were impacted by the, by the fires in, in California. Yeah, man, I love that. And even if you don't love craft beer, right, you can admire the the community and the support that is rallying together in order to uh, help change people's lives that were affected by those fires. I, I love that. Yeah, such a cool way uh, to use the beer. And I already love the packaging. It kind of reflects the beauty of that part of the world. And also just like those roots kind of coming out of the name resilience on the can reminds you of that community. Yeah, that, that grassroots right effort, the roots run deep. I love it. It's got a little Yosemite look, which is basically my favorite place on earth. <laughs> so I already love it. But let's go ahead and taste it, man. Cheers. Mm, man, dude, that's awesome. Uh, and before we mention our one word, I wanted to share why we have a beer every week, which is craft beer is something that you and I love, obviously. <laughs> and so we have a beer while we talk about money. And it's just one of the things that we care about. And it's one of the things that we're not depriving our life of. It is something that we value. And because of that, we spend money, right? Like we, we're not looking to cut back in every single aspect of life, but we try to be intentional with our money. Craft beer is one of the ways that we are intentional and, and do spend money. So just keep that in mind when uh, you're seeking to kind of get your financial life in order, right? It's okay to spend money. Just make sure you're spending money on the things that matter to you. All right, Joel. So what's your one word to describe this beer? All right. My word is going to involve the use of a hyphen. Uh, so I'm going old school. I don't even know if that's hyphenated, but I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my only way to get both those words You're together. just saying, yeah, you just wanted it to be hyphenated so you could get two words in. Cheater. <laughs> All right, Matt. What word would you use to describe this week's beer? Yeah, man. My word is malty. So a little bit later on the show, we'll get into why we use those words to describe this beer. But for now, let's get to the subject at hand, Matt. Recession proofing your finances. And we really wanted to tackle this topic, Matt, because there are so many people, doom and gloom naysayers, that saying that the economy is going to crash any moment. And truly, the economy has been doing really well for the past pretty much decade, right? And I think it's really important for our listeners to know that, it, that we shouldn't be paying super close attention to these predictions of a recession. But it is good to be prepared, right, for whatever might occur. And in particular, preparing for a recession is really, more than anything, being prepared for short-term bumps in the road. And so that's kind of what we're going to cover in this episode. Yeah, there can be two extremes when it comes to our outlook towards the coming years of our economy, right? You can either be overly positive and optimistic due to nearsightedness, thinking that our current situation will continue on like it has forever. Which is like human nature, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is human nature, yeah. <laughs> so you might think you'll continue to get those raises at work. You might get great returns to the stock market. You might think that gas prices are going to continue to go down because that's what's happening right now. Or you might be 
overly negative in thinking that the market is going to crash. You know, just like you said, Joel, like the naysayers, we think that it might just be too good to be true. And either way, we can't control our economy. We can't control the markets. But what we can control are our personal finances. This reminds me too of Stephen Covey. He's got that classic book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talks about how you have your circle of concern, right? There's a lot of things that impact you and that you are interested in and that concern you. However, within that circle of concern, there's a smaller circle, which is your circle of influence. And the idea is to focus on the things that you can control, focus on the things that you have influence over. And that's personal finance, right? Like you can read all the news reports, you can follow the stocks and the charts all you want, but that's not going to change what the market actually does. What you can change though, are your own personal finances. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of how you can prepare your personal and your family's finances for a potential recession, I did want to just quickly address to like a mental mindset shift that needs to take place for a lot of people. If you're somebody that logs on to CNBC every day or has the news on and hears people crying about potential recession and predicting the, all the potential bad things that could happen. That can be a recipe for you making moves that are not in the best interest of your long-term financial future. So be careful about the news that you're consuming and the people that you're listening to, because if you adopt more of a long-term strategy towards your personal finances, those day-to-day naysayers, it really, they have a lot less impact on what you actually do with your money. And so after the break, we're going to talk about some specific things that you can do to recession-proof your finances. And again, these are things that you can do proactively versus reacting to the news and the market. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. 
you can either let it just sit there empty or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. So there are a lot of important things you need to consider when you're recession-proofing your finances. And the first one is to build a strong emergency fund. If you feel like a recession might impact you in a meaningful way, it's really important to squirrel away more cash. When the economy is roaring, an emergency fund is still meaningful, right? We've talked about that before on the show. But it's even more meaningful when we're talking about a potential recession because in the event of job loss or decreased pay or fewer hours that you're able to work for your current employer uh, because of a recession, it's important to have kind of more money uh, squirreled away in your bank account so that you can be prepared. So how much are we talking about here? Are we talking about like 100 bucks, 200 bucks? That won't get you very far, usually. <laughs> so typically, the sort of initial emergency fund that you want to put together is like 1000 bucks, right? $1,000 will get you far. But ideally, we're talking three to six months, maybe even a little bit more if you'd like to have a little more margin, a little more of a buffer when it comes to your finances. But at least three to six months of expenses is what you want to have when it comes to setting aside money for a strong emergency fund. Yeah, for a lot of years, cash has been considered like a terrible investment. And, and rightly so. Yeah, it's not an investment at all. <laughs> right, right. And for rightly so, right? For that reason and because returns on cash have been really low, right? The low interest rates paid out on cash accounts. But in the current state of things, interest rates are rising yeah, on man. savings accounts. And so you, it's not actually a terrible place to put your money right now. Um, so at the same time that it's not a terrible place to store your money, it's also more important to put your money there because of a potential recession and be, because of the impact that it could have on you and your family. 
Yeah, man, and we did an entire episode dedicated towards setting aside money for an emergency fund. And again, that might mean investing less and saving more in the short term, and that is okay. But uh, but look that one up. That's episode number 21, uh, where we talk about everything you need to know about an emergency fund. Yeah, and speaking of investing less, that it might make sense to potentially back off your IRA contributions or your 401k contributions through an employer. Let's say you're investing 10 to 12% of your pay in a 401k, you know, backing that automatic deduction off to like 6% or whatever it is, you know, just making sure you, of course, get the company match through your employer. Yeah, if you top have priority. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then after that, making sure that you're not investing any more than that until you feel like your emergency fund is where you want it to be. Excellent, man. And then next, you want to attack high interest rate debt and don't take out more debt. And so this makes sense from a number standpoint, right? From a numbers and an interest rate standpoint, you want to attack the loans that you have that have the highest interest rate. If a recession hits, it's so important to tackle that high interest rate debt. That's the most important. Let's say you've got $5,000 in student loan debt at a 3% rate and $10,000 of credit card debt at a 19% interest rate. I think it makes... Or 30%. (laughs) Right, which it could be. I think it makes a lot more sense for people to to try to tackle that credit card debt because a a 3% interest rate isn't going to kill you. But a a 19% uh, interest rate is is ultimately it's going to crush you because it's really hard to gain an advantage. I would recommend putting every extra dollar that you have towards a really high interest rate debt like that before attacking anything with a super low interest rate. Yeah, you um, definitely need to be smart about it. Yeah, and Matt, you also mentioned uh, not taking out more debt. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that taking out a home equity loan or refinancing your house, that now is a good time to do that. And if you're actually going to lower your rate and get better terms, it, it might still make sense for you. But you don't want to take on more debt. And so doing a a cash out refinance on your personal home in order to have some extra cash to pad your lifestyle, well, that ultimately is going to bite you in the end. Usually you're refinancing into longer term debt at a higher rate and with a higher principal balance. So you definitely want to stay away from taking out more debt when we're talking about recession proofing your finances. And then next, make yourself an invaluable employee at wherever you work, right? And then just make hay while the sun shines. Like you're not guaranteed to keep that job. You don't know how long that's going to last, right? And so now is just not the time to slack off. Focus on your career, especially if you start to see signs of a a potential recession, potential bear market coming up. You don't want to slack off at work, right? Like this is the time to maybe lead some initiatives and and do something where you're even stepping beyond the role that you currently have uh, to take on more responsibility. And hopefully that will just cement your position and your place uh, at your employer. Yeah, you never want to be the person that says, that's not my job description, or that's not really (laughs) what I do. And taking any opportunity to make yourself invaluable, to make your employer realize that they need you, you want to be the least expendable person there. That's that's your goal. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a really important thing to, to think about in light of a potential recession. Probably wouldn't hurt to like show up with donuts either, right? You know, like <laughs> if Joel's always showing up with donuts, but Matt never brings the donuts and they both do equal amounts of work. Well, we know who's on the chopping yeah, block. Yeah, Matt might get axed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And on the topic of employment, Matt, if you can create an additional stream of income by putting together a side hustle that you might even be able to convert it into a full-fledged business in the event of a job loss. I think having some sort of side hustle, side income, multiple streams of income. You know, We talk about real estate on the show and that's been helpful. If you could rent out a room in your house on Airbnb, whatever it is, a side hustle and multiple streams of income. Those are great things to, to think about, really. And we've got a whole episode dedicated to side hustles. That's episode number 35 that you can check out. 
creating a dope side hustle, which is kind of funny, right? Like the reason we titled it that is because not all side hustles are created equally. And we wanted to shine a light on that because there are some side hustles that are kind of dead end, right? And then there are some side hustles that could lead, like you said, Joel, to an actual business. And dude, this is exactly what Kate and I did 10 years ago, back uh, when the Great Recession hit in you know 2008. We started our photography business in the midst of a recession, <laughs> which is crazy, right? But that's the whole reason we went that direction. The, the The company I was working for was a small advertising agency. We weren't doing so great at the time. We were losing some clients. We, you know, we lost a couple big ones, and I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I didn't necessarily think I was going to get fired, but I also knew it wasn't my calling. I wasn't having a great time uh, in my position there, and so finding an outlet where I could make money and find all the things that you're looking for in a job on the side was incredibly valuable for us. I was able to keep those both going for, gosh, maybe about six months, where I kind of had the side hustle going on. But after that, we went full on, went full time, and I've been doing uh, photography full time for over 10 years now, which is honestly crazy to even say out loud that I haven't had a real job in 10 years. But man, I wouldn't have traded it for almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. And, and also on the work note, it's important to have your resume ready and to you know reach out to the people in your network. Uh, if job loss is a real potential for you. So if you haven't touched your resume in years, it's, it'd be good to spend a few evenings kind of getting up to speed. And also, you know, you don't have to obviously ask people for a job, but just connecting with people in the business that work at other companies, set up a coffee date, whatever it is, staying in touch with people that you've worked with and that do similar jobs to you that could be helpful to you in a potential you know, economic downturn. Keep those relationships alive and invest in them right now yeah. while things are good. Yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt. The next thing you want to consider is to not make big, expensive plans. You might be thinking about taking a sweet European vacation that you've been saving up for. Well, it may not be the best time, especially if you're not in a strong position when it comes to, say, like your emergency fund. You want to make sure you are set up and your finances are in a healthy place. But yeah, think twice when it comes to making some big purchases or making big, expensive plans. Yeah, especially uh, purchases that have a lot of recurring expenses, right, Matt? And we oh, talk, yeah. We talked about that in the Everything Costs More Than You Think episode, that that everything that you buy comes with secondary costs. And if you're buying something that, I think I can afford this, it works into my lifestyle. Well, make sure that you've really factored in those secondary costs because that can come back to bite you if you haven't planned well. And I agree that making expensive plans for the future is just a bad move in light of a potential recession. If you're booking an, a vacation that feels like it's at the top of your budget, well, you know, maybe consider doing something way cheaper this year and saving more money so that you can do it without any guilt or remorse next year. And you can actually afford it. I think it's just really important more than anything to not count your chickens before they hatch. But what if you like guilty vacations, Joel? <laughs> and unhatched chickens? <laughs> That's not a good idea, man. That sounds like an omelet. <laughs> and then finally, too, consider your credit score. Work on boosting your credit score. You want to make sure you have as healthy of a score as possible when it comes to uh, a downturn in the market. Because guess what, man? This is something I learned firsthand, which is that when there is a huge downturn in the market, lending standards get really, really strict. And if we didn't have a high credit score when we were trying to apply for a mortgage for our first home... Uh, because we were self-employed, right? So that same business I mentioned from 10 years ago, we'd only been in business for one year and when we had saved up enough money to put down for a down payment on our first house. But banks like to see multiple years of business tax returns. And because we only had one year, it severely limited our options when it came to a mortgage. And dude, if we didn't have a decent credit score, we wouldn't have been able to qualify at all for a mortgage. And we would have missed out on that sweet uh, $8,000 from the government. You remember that? 
Uh, do I remember yeah, that? Yeah, because you got that too. Right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, uh, who knows, if that, that'll probably never happen again in the history of our country. That was just kind of a crazy tax credit, $8,000 for buying a house that you didn't ever have to pay back. And there was one before that, right, that you did have to pay yeah. back, like 7500 <laughs> I think all those folks felt a little shortchanged, right? <laughs> Understandably so. Right? <laughs> I would have been so pissed. <laughs> yeah. So so I think it's really important, yeah, to, to work towards increasing your credit score because as lending standards tighten, you want to make sure that if you do decide to buy a house or do for some reason need financing on a car, we would tell you not to do that. <laughs> That's not a great idea to finance a vehicle. But if you do find yourself needing financing, it's really important to make sure that you have a tip top credit score because banks are just going to be in general more nervous to lend money. Yeah, I mean, that makes me think of, you know, back in 2008, where, where were you sort of financially uh, or just kind of in your life? at the very bottom of the market. <laughs> well, I was completely just getting started really in the work world. You know, I'd been really? working for a couple of years, still very, very low income, but I was at least a, a high saver. I'd saved a lot of right. money. And so saving had been my priority. Investing was a little bit of my priority, but saving was my main priority because I wanted to buy a house. Yeah. And in the downturn, I was able to, to take advantage with a stockpile of cash to buy a house and then increase my savings rate even more and try to buy another one two years later. So yeah, if you want to be able to take advantage of potential opportunities too in a recession, because there are opportunities for people to make a move, to make an investment at a discount that, that don't come around all the time. So I think it's yeah important to be prepared financially to, to take advantage of anything that comes along. And if you don't have that cash and you don't have that high credit score, chances are you're, you're not gonna be able to take advantage of something that of an opportunity that you might even see right in front of you. That's right, man. And we're going to talk more about that specific thing, right? Taking advantage of opportunities in the market. And we're going to talk specifically about investing in light of a potential recession right after the break. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so Woo-hoo. we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. 
With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid Kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid Kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, Joe, let's talk now specifically about investing, things that you want to consider and the steps you want to take. How about you kick it off? All right, Matt. Yeah, the first thing is to consider your asset allocation. And so we've talked about retirement investing before. Yeah, and Matt and I are firm believers that if you're in the wealth building stage, that we think it's uh, important to continue investing mostly in a stock type portfolio. And we've talked more about that in episodes past. And I'm sure we'll talk more about investing in future episodes. But in particular, there's a Vanguard quiz that can kind of help you understand your risk tolerance. And so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But I think if you're in that wealth building stage, it's super important to to stay the course and be invested in mostly stock type choices. Because even if there's a potential recession, we're talking about your portfolio for the long term. When you're investing, you should be thinking about that money staying put for 10 years or longer. And so if that is the case, you should be investing in mostly stocks. So we'll put a link to that Vanguard quiz to kind of help you understand your own risk profile. But I think it is important to mention that that stocks are a great choice for people if they're in that wealth building phase. Yeah, Joel, and you mentioned or you hinted at the sort of 10-year time frame, right? Follow that 10-year rule. So if you know that you won't be accessing your funds for, for 10 years, definitely you know, stay the course. You want to stay heavily invested in stocks. If you do expect to be tapping into that portfolio, you want to make sure your portfolio is balanced with bonds and cash. You want to maintain that balance if you're getting closer to the point where you're going to withdraw some of those funds. Yeah, Matt. And like we kind of briefly mentioned at the top of the show, mental preparation is key as well. So if you're going to make changes based on data day news, turn off the news. If you aren't willing to stay the course despite difficulty in the stock market, you'll likely need to make changes before a recession occurs. Like giving somebody else the password to your Vanguard account so that you don't make any uh, knee-jerk sells. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to do it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, for real, like if you have a spouse uh, and who is way more level-headed, maybe they should have the reins for the next few years if, if you see a downturn, right? <laughs> completely, completely. And I think some of the best advice ever given to any investor is to not look day-to-day and honestly, not even look month-to-month. Just 
don't even look at your portfolio. Be resigned to look at your portfolio only once a year. Because I think, yeah, day to day, month to month, we see we see a balance dropping. We see the harmful effects of a recession hitting our investments. And we want to take action. We want to do something. But the problem is when we do something while the recession is in full swing, we actually hurt our long-term financial future. So mental preparation is key. And whether that means handing off your Vanguard password to your spouse or typing in something random and you can't remember it <laughs> and just not opening the statements if you do get statements in the mail or to your, or to your email inbox, that is going to make it so much better for you because you're not going to make decisions based on the day-to-day whims of the market. And again, from a mental standpoint, right? it's easy to say that you'll write it out when the stock values are near all-time highs. Things are great. You, you feel good. You're like, oh, of course, I'll do the smart thing. Because mentally, you know, you know that that's the right thing to do. But however, <laughs> it is much harder to do if you're watching your portfolio drop 20% or 30% with no end in sight you might start to panic. And so you need to prepare yourself to stomach the ups and the downs. And so this is why, Joel, that we're talking about this now. We're talking about this ahead of time because if you can sort of do the mental exercises of what it might feel like to to see your portfolio drop by 20%, it just prepares you. And hopefully that will put you in a better position when it comes time to continue to stay the course. Yeah. And not all recessions are created equal. You know, the last one that we went through in our country 10 years ago was was really hard. And it, it, it affected a lot of people, a lot of foreclosures, lots of job loss. So many terrible things can happen during a recession. But one of the biggest things that average people who didn't lose their job, didn't lose their house, did that actually hurt them in the long run was changing their allocation of their portfolio while the stock market was experiencing its greatest discomfort. I mean, I had a friend who at work who told me that he was selling his stocks and going into cash because he couldn't handle it anymore. And while I understand that mental reaction, you have to be able to kind of close yourself off from that possibility because that is when you bake in losses. And that is when you harm your long-term potential financial future. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's when you actually realize those losses. Hopefully, he didn't sell in uh, summer of 2009. <laughs> I don't remember when it was, but it was not, it was not good. It wasn't at the very bottom of, of the market. It was pretty close to uh, it. Somewhere around there. And, and yeah, like that's, that's how people ultimately hurt themselves the most. Because if you look back, and it's actually helpful that we've had one so recently, to yeah. look back and yeah. see how quickly things turned around. And you know, we don't have any prognostication tools. We don't... We, prognostication. I like it. Right? Yeah, we can't <laughs> read the future. I don't have a crystal ball. But it's important to kind of see that history. It's actually helpful to note that it lasted for you know a couple really hard years. But what ultimately happens? Things kind of come back to a state of normalcy. That's right, man. You got to write it back up. And then one last tip is that you need to have your cash ready. And so now is the time to work to be in a position to invest more during the next recession. Warren Buffett encourages people to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. And honestly, (laughs) what that means is not listening to the news because people get scared and they freak each other out and there's this herd mentality and everyone starts selling. That's the precise time that you want to take advantage of the market being on sale. You don't just want your finances to be recession proof. You don't want to just get by. But what we're talking about here will allow us to be ready and prepared and to excel and do even better the next time there's a downturn. Yeah, to take advantage of opportunity that comes along. This episode, Matt, we created it not to worry people. We don't want to freak people out. We're not making any predictions even that a recession is going to happen. I think it's important to, to realize, though, that there is a potential for a recession to come. And it isn't something to be worried about, to be on pins and needles, to be on the edge of your seat. But it is something to be prepared for 
And if you are willing to take, you know, just some of the steps that we mentioned above, you're going to put yourself in such a better position to kind of handle personally whatever difficulty may occur during a recession, while at the same time, just getting your personal finances in a good space. Another thing to consider, too, is know your individual situation, right? If you are in an industry that is greatly affected by the market, that sees a lot of ups and downs in conjunction with the ups and downs of the market... You might want to, say, build a fatter emergency fund, right? Or you might be in an industry that is not affected by the market, like uh, doctors, right? The medical industry really it isn't affected that much by swings in the market. Know your specific situation and just try to be smart about it. Take that into account when it comes to how you are going to prepare for a potential downturn in the market. Yeah, I think about when oil prices hit a super low price of close to like $40 a barrel. Maybe it even went a little bit lower than that. I just remember reading stories about so many job losses that were completely (laughs) unexpected from people working in Texas, working in the oil industry around the country. Ghost towns. Yeah, completely overnight. And so think about what industry you're in, how long you've been at your employer. It's obviously important to take some of these steps anyway, but it's really important to kind of take stock of your own situation. It helps you kind of factor in how much effort you need to put into some of these things. Yeah, that's right. Some folks just might be more at risk. All right, Matt, let's get back to the beer. The beer that we drank today was Sierra Nevada Resilience IPA. Hey, man, this was a delicious beer, and it poured a nice uh, clear amber with a beautiful head. Sort of like an old school beer, right? Yeah, that was the word (laughs) I used to describe Sierra Nevada's Resilience IPA. And by the way... I would drink so much of this beer just for the cause. I love that, that my money's going to, to help people that were affected by the wildfires in California. But the word I used to describe this beer was old school. It really reminds me of their winter beer celebration. Oh, yeah. It's got this just truly iconic old school IPA vibe. And I feel like, honestly, if you had poured this glass for me and you hadn't have told me what brewery it was from, I would have said, that's a Sierra Nevada IPA. You feel, yeah. <laughs> it's like their beers are iconic in a way. And this beer, while not the style I necessarily trend towards at this moment in time with what I like to drink, it's refreshing to have this. It's such a good beer. It's so distinct and flavorful. I love what Sierra Nevada does. And, and this is just another really, really good beer from them. Yeah, man. And my word was malty because, yeah, it just has a huge malt backbone, in my, in my opinion. So many of the IPAs that we're drinking today are very florally and citrusy and hazy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the new school. It's the East Coast IPA. And this is certainly uh, more of an old school, not even a West Coast IPA, but more of the old school sort of flavor profile. So a lot of malts. It's a darker beer. That's why I said old school. Yeah. Hello. Come on. <laughs> but it's, it's got that malt backbone where it's a little bready. And I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of an of a old school beer. They think sort of malts. And so, yeah, we're on the same page, man. Old school malty beer. This is delicious. I want to thank Philippe Man, thank you so much for sending us these beers. This is fantastic. And because we were sent these, Joel and I promise to go out and uh, we'll, we'll buy some of these ourselves as well to personally support the cause too. Yeah. And yeah, if you see this on tap at your local brewery, because that brewery decided to to support Sierra Nevada and the employees of Sierra Nevada and the people affected by, by the wildfires in California through this route, buy that beer. Because first off, it's a good beer. And second off, it's doing so much good. And yeah, I love that story. And I love that Philippe sent us his beer to drink. All right, Joel. These are our final thoughts when it comes to recession-proofing your finances. Number one, build a strong emergency fund. Cash is king. You want to make sure that you have enough margin. You have enough financial buffer. You want to be ready with that cash to make moves when the time comes. And you just don't know what the future holds. You might need that cash to float you by for a couple months. 
Matt, it's also important for folks to start attacking their high interest rate debt now before the recession hits, because in the event of a potential job loss or, or just a reduced income, it's going to be so much harder to attack that debt then. So attack it now and make sure you're on solid financial ground when it comes to the debt that you're carrying. Another helpful tip is to create additional streams of income. This is something that you can do with a side hustle. This is something you can do with uh, real estate, with investment properties. But find a way to diversify your streams of income. If you've got all your eggs in one basket with a single employer, well, you're kind of at the whims of whatever happens to not only that industry, but that specific company. And so, yeah, find ways to diversify. Also, don't make super expensive plans for the future. You don't want to write a check that you can't cash. And you don't want to book an expensive vacation that you can barely afford in light of a potential recession. Just cut back on expensive potential plans and think small for the time being as you up your cash reserves. That'll make it a little bit easier in the future to take that sweet vacation that you've always wanted to take. And then finally, when it comes to your investments, man, stay the course. If you are invested in low-cost index funds and you're invested in stocks, you know that you're in this for the long haul. Do not be affected by the news. Be ready. Try to prepare yourself so that you can stomach that. But in the end, you know, like Joel mentioned earlier, looking back at the Great Recession, right, 10 years ago, and you can see the rise and you can see where we've come from. That's going to happen again, right? If you have confidence in our country and in our economy and industry and business, things are going to be all right. And as long as you do not sell and make any knee jerk reactions, your portfolio is going to end up just fine. Yeah. So again, don't worry. We're not trying to freak you out. We're not predicting anything, but we are saying that preparation is key. And if a recession does happen, you want to make sure that you're on solid financial footing and that you can weather the storm and even potentially take advantage of opportunities that come along. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. We will have show notes up for this episode at our website, howtomoney.com. Yeah. And if you are a listener of the show, we would love to hear from you. I know it takes a minute of your time to hop over there to Apple Podcasts to leave a review, but we really do read them. And it means a lot, right? It helps us to get the word out for folks that haven't heard the podcast yet. And it helps us to know maybe what topics are resonating with you as listeners. We actually see the reviews as a feedback loop. And so for us to be able to see uh, what you found helpful will help this to be just a better podcast in general. So thank you in advance. No doubt, buddy. Okay, until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com.